are listening to Radio Data, a podcasting radio where we talk about data, cloud, analytics and AI with different guests, different hosts and in different segments. This segment is called Data Update, where we share interesting stories from the community or talk about the topics that we find interesting. Hello everyone and welcome to Radio Data. This episode is Future Over Data Engineer and this is the story of past and current inventions. The Facebook from Mark Zuckerberg versus Airplane from Wright Brothers the Dunning-Kruger effect and the Wikipedia. In this episode, we'll look at the past and current inventions through the lens of Yuval Harari, Daniel Kahneman and others. My name is Paweł Leszczyński and I'm software engineer at Getting Data. I'm working on the open source Open Lineage project and the mission of the project is to track metadata about data sets, jobs and run and convert it into the meaningful information that can be really helpful when uh, the processing gets broken. I'm also a non-fiction book reader, which led me to prepare this episode for you. We're just after a couple of months after the COVID, and yeah, COVID took us like two years. And the bad thing about the COVID is that many of us lost their relatives, the loved ones, the, the people we can just look at the photos now because they are no longer anymore with us mm, but it also had some uh, good uh, things and the advantages, so I'm the reader guy, I like the reading books and uh, you know the great thing about the COVID is that you could really have a lot of time to spend at home and uh, if you have something that you like doing at home uh, you could do a lot of that and for me it was a reading time so I'm the non-fiction reader and it's natural for me that when I'm getting familiar with uh, some stories that happened in the past uh, I'm trying to see the correlation or how could it be for such a story to, to, to occur now and to try to uh, find the similarities between the past times and the current times. And this is what today's podcast and the talk is going to be about. Uh, okay, but it's not it's the radio data. We are all big data and artificial intelligence guys uh, and girls. Um, yeah, so how does those two things connect with each other? Now, so we are all currently at the time of big data and AI revolution and this revolution solves was going to solve some real problems and it's also going to introduce uh, another problems and it's uh, you know these are just the inventions and people have done a lot of inventions in the past and it's really nice to have a look at the inventions that occurred in the past and how do they affect our lives and uh, actually with a special focus on the impact of our lives that that was unforeseen the impact that was uh, uh, unforeseen by the past pioneers so uh, based on that we'll jump into our current times and the challenges that we are facing because we know as humankind there are some 
challenges in front of us. And yeah, we're going to try the answer to the question, what can we do with them? Uh, and actually, we'll try to find this answer uh, in the stories that uh, happened in the past. One of the first books that came into my hands at the COVID time was The Wright Brothers by David McCullough. And it's really the great story of the Orville and Wilbur Wright that uh, were able to build the first airplane and to fly it. And uh, yeah, it's really a great story about the inventions, inventions that we do uh, currently in big data and AI. So Orville and Wilbur owned the bicycle store. They not only sold, they also produced the bicycles and the good thing about the bicycle business is that you have some spare time in the winter times where the time you can spend on uh, your hobby and those guys were really much into the flying yeah they were really passionate about flying and being able to fly it uh, yeah the title of the book is a bit, a bit misleading because it's the Wright brothers and the title doesn't mention their sister Katrin and she was also involved in this process so uh, yeah she was running the bicycle business to uh, yeah to collect finances to to be able to invest them uh, in the flying invention and Orville and Wilbur they lived in great times because uh, they realized that they do have all the things they kept you know, combined together to create an airplane. So, I mean, you cannot build an airplane with a steam engine because it's way too heavy. And at that time, uh, the casting engines were introduced and they were gaining the popularity and they had enough power to, you know, uh, fly and they were uh, light enough to be able to put on an airplane. So... That, that, that's the great thing and uh, that they try to make use of it, multiple inventions available at the times and to build something new. And uh, the other great thing about the story is, you know, if you think of two guys that run a bike shop, I mean, I was wondering perhaps I should go in the winter to some bike shop in my hometown and uh, see what the guys are doing there because most of these are brilliant people that have some spare time and try to uh, create great things. And uh, the cool thing about the invention was, uh, you know, <laughs> they were allowed to, to fly, to, to go higher than ever before humans. And... Uh, yeah, they had a chance to uh, foresee the impact of their invention at the early stages. So, I mean, if you think of a question, what makes the flying business so safe currently? Uh, I think the answer is that you can easily foresee what happens when you do something wrong. So, uh, it was just during their first shows when... Uh, they were flying uh, with a guest passenger and they crashed. They fell from 11 meters and the passenger died. Uh, yeah, fortunately, the, the Wright brothers were safe. Uh, but it was, you know, a clear direction to them saying, you need to focus on the security because if you don't, 
uh, the impact is serious. You're just gonna die. You fall, you die. That's pretty simple. And that's the uh, the tough thing, I would say. But it's also, to, you know, uh, it helped them because from the early days they could focus on the possible negative impacts of their inventions. And as an opposite, as a contradiction today to them, uh, you may think of, you know, Mark Zuckerberg inventing the Facebook. I mean, it's just creating an app to let the people put their photos from their school to meet the people they met at the school and to share with them, you know, how is their living going nowadays. And, I mean... If you think of a question, what can go wrong with this, you'll say, hard to say, probably nothing, just sharing, you know, some personal life uh, experiences and achievements. And uh, uh, at the end, you see Mark Zuckerberg uh, in the Congress answering tough questions. And uh, not only you can see it on TV, but you see that the thing is affecting whole life of everyone on earth so I live in the suburbs of a medium-sized town and uh, you know uh, in the school my children go every day uh, during last three years there were uh, three suicide attempts and two of them uh, were successful unfortunately and actually the social media uh, took a great role in that uh, because uh, you know, if you go to the Facebook, you see your friends uh, being at the beach, eating fancy food, uh, smiling, taking, having a great time. And, uh, you know, the life is not about a great time. Sometimes you just you know, need to wake up in the morning and drink coffee, eat sausages and, uh, uh, yeah, do the same routines every day. And But if you look at the Facebook, if you look at the social media, now everything is perfect so you can lose the perception of what is real and what's just on the web and uh, I think this is a great comparison of two inventions uh, that you know had a great potential uh, and uh, yeah and one of them was able the Wright brothers were able to foresee what can go wrong with this? And uh, based on that, they could build uh, the transportation, the flying industry that is safer than any other transport in the world just because they could identify upfront what happens if we do something wrong. The other interesting example is the Wikipedia. So, uh, Wikipedia versus the Dunning-Kruger effect. So. Wikipedia is one of the greatest inventions ever. Uh, it allows all of us to have an access to the whole human knowledge gathered through the centuries. Uh, uh, to have it, uh, to have those things, to have everything just within your telephone, yeah? and to be able to access it uh, immediately whenever you like, and. Uh, that's a really great thing and you know one can ask a question what can go wrong here and the answer is Dunning-Kruger effect uh, yeah the best way to understand and to present Dunning-Kruger effect is to show the chart a two-dimensional chart uh, 
where the dimensions are competence and confidence. So yeah, the competence increases over time. Yeah? The more you spend, uh, the more time you spend on something, the more you learn, uh, the more competent you are. You can think of it as uh, getting to learn a new programming language or the new technology. So at the beginning you know nothing and you're low and your level of confidence is low uh, because you know nothing and you didn't even try. And then you click on the how-tos and the demo and you just copy and paste uh, some lines of code uh, which work out, the, out of the box. And uh, at that moment, your competence is uh, yeah, a bit more than know nothing, but it's still low. But your level of confidence can get pretty high because, oh man, this technology solves most of our, my problems within minutes. And this moment, this feeling within Dunning-Kruger effect is called the peak of Mount Stupid, uh, which means... Yeah, I've spent 15 minutes on something. I see how easy it is. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident in uh, being skilled in that technology. And then, you know, the more time you spend on it, the more real-life uh, things you're trying to implement, uh, the level of confidence is falling immediately. Uh, because it turns out that this technology doesn't suit that well in your case. You need to do some custom things. And uh, at that moment, your competence level is increasing because you spend more and more time on that. Uh, but your confidence is falling. And this, you know, this bottom, low bottom point of confidence is called the valley of despair. And after that, yeah, sometimes you just give up. You say this technology is not good at all but sometimes you spend even more and more time on it and then you're starting to gradually you know increase uh, the level of confidence while still increasing the level of competence and this can take a year or two and I had done in Kruger called the slope of enlightenment and at the end uh, yeah you are a guru uh, yeah but uh, the interesting thing about the Dunning-Kruger effect is that the competence and the confidence do not grow linearly at the same time. So there is some point uh, at the end of times uh, where your competence level is pretty low, but you are really confident on what you can, what you know. And uh, this is a problem with Wikipedia. So imagine you uh, you're going to a doctor or say, ah, let's not go to a doctor this time, let's try to find some information on the internet. And, I mean, yeah, the doctors, they do not know anything more than the things on Wikipedia. That's, I'm pretty sure of that. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, then we opened the Wikipedia page, spent five minutes reading something, and we may get a feeling that we know what is happening to us, we may get the feeling how to cure it, but actually, we're just at the peak of Mount Stupid. We read a couple of lines, think that the thing, this medical stuff is pretty easy, and we are confident in our knowledge, but actually we are not competent. 
and uh, yeah, the medical examples one of them, but uh, uh, but there are plenty of them. And uh, the the general problem is that uh, we don't need to have experts. We don't need to trust experts. Uh, we don't need to you know listen to those older guys that spent all their life uh, studying something. Uh, because we can uh, make decisions on our own and uh, yeah, make decisions based on the information that the wise men also have. So we have an access to the same data, the same information as the wise men. So we don't need the wise men anymore, right? With platforms like Wikipedia, we get an access to all the knowledge that humanity gathered for the centuries uh, so perhaps we can make the great decision on our own uh, and there's another interesting author Daniel Kahneman which wrote uh, Thinking Fast and Slow uh, who provides a list of great examples showing that uh, people are not that good at making decisions so the book is pretty long, but if you don't want to read it, you can just watch him at Talks at Google from 2011. And uh, yeah, he provides a list of experiments showing uh, that people are not that good at numbers and at statistics at the first glance. So one of my favorite experiments is asking people at the airport uh, about how much would they pay for an insurance and there are two groups of people and one is asked how much would you pay for an insurance in case of any death happened to you abroad and another group is asked how much would you pay for an insurance in case of a death resulted in terrorist attack abroad and uh, yeah if you have um, some time to look at it and think logically uh, then you know any death is a more general uh, subject than death resulted to terrorism so the chances of dying abroad to anything are significantly bigger than uh, chances of dying from terrorist attacks uh, however people would pay more for the insurance protecting them against terrorist attacks not protecting, but yeah, making their relatives being paid for their death, uh, which is totally illogical. Yeah? Uh, even more irrational are the results from assessing driving skills. So people are asked to assess their driving skills, and there are a lot of people that believe that uh, they are better drivers than average, and it's actually majority of people. And some drivers even, even think that their ability to text messages while driving, it proves their superior driving skills. Yeah? Now, no matter what country are you from, there are probably a lot of uh, casualties from car accidents. And uh, yeah, the statistics uh, say probably that speeding is the major factor, perhaps alcohol in other countries. But still, it's human error. It's the driver's error. Uh, all of the drivers think they do it great. And uh, yeah, there's a great book of Yuval Harari, 21 Lessons for the 
21st century, uh, which describes in details what could AI do for us, what could we outsource to artificial intelligence. And uh, yeah, if you think of your life, uh, what decisions had you made in the past? Yeah, So probably you went to some university courses or you chose some profession and actually artificial intelligence could do it much better for you uh, if it had an access to your grades at school your skills it could choose uh, at least that good path for you as you did but perhaps it can choose a better one yeah if you think of finding a partner that's the interesting one because AI can do it much better because combining two profiles of two persons and uh, finding their common interests, it's uh, this can be done by much better by an algorithm within milliseconds. Moreover, an algorithm can have an access to a database of million people. And if you did it the traditional way, uh, then perhaps you have met for your life like dozens, hundreds of people you were able to talk to for a while and get to know if it's a if you if it's a good match to just to become friends or or no. And the database for the algorithm can be much b- bigger. Yeah, so AI can do it better. Yeah, uh, if you choose a, no matter how you choose a partner, uh, artificial intelligence could do it. Uh, better or at least that good as you did and so the sad truth is that AI can do can live our lives better than we do and uh, yeah it's really sad because uh, will it be us anymore if we outsource all the decisions to algorithms that can that can do it better uh, wouldn't we lose ourselves and just stop being humans? Because, yeah, we make the mistakes and that's what makes us humans. Being a human is about making decisions and accepting the mistakes and the wrong decisions that you make. Uh, and being an engineer is more than just writing a code. So imagine a situation that could have happened to all of us on the road so imagine you drive a car and an elderly lady uh, walks into the street walks onto your lane the lane you are riding and on the other lane there is a heavy load truck uh, riding the opposite way so you are standing in front of a decision to turn into the truck and probably die or harm yourself or to just go through the elderly lady and uh, and kill her. And, you know, such a decision happens to some people every day when they drive a car. And uh, the fortunate thing within this tragic moment is that they just have milliseconds to uh, make a decision. And whatever they choose, we cannot blame them. Uh, it's because they're at stress, it's because it's just milliseconds, it's because you cannot require uh, anyone else to become a hero, and sacrifice his life. So whatever the decision driver makes, it's good enough for this 
purpose for this situation. But it looks totally different when you're a software engineer and uh, you're implementing the autonomous car. Because in that case, you have a lot of time to think of the optimal strategy and what to choose. The problem stated here is uh, is really popular and it's known as trolley dilemma. It's a problem, ethical problem in the philosophy, what to choose if there are no good uh, solutions. And uh, the straightforward strategy may seem to be, yeah, let's do the damage to the least number of persons as possible yeah, and save the most of lives. And so actually in practice, even, even such a strategy is, isn't good enough because as an opposite to, it, why can, to that, one can think of a, a situation of being a doctor at the hospital with four patients uh, one, three of them are awaiting some transplants, like liver, one with liver transplant, one with kidney transplant, and another one with, let's say, another kidney transplant. And there's a fourth patient in the hospital, which is a uh, young and healthy cyclist who wounded his leg by a uh, mistake on a bike. And if you say to your algorithm, hey, my strategy is let's do the damage to the least amount of people possible, Uh, then the strategy within the hospital would lead to, uh, hey, let's kill the cyclists and uh, save all our free lives, Uh, which is uh, not something we would like to have in our real life, uh, not to mention the cyclists. Uh, So these are tough decisions, and uh, remember that when you write a code, it's going to be compiled, built, and delivered into some devices. And if it's an autonomous car, then it will be delivered to millions of devices. Uh, so your decision and the code you wrote may have a significant impact on our everyday lives. And uh, sometimes it can save many lives but sometimes it can kill many people. And this leads us to, you know, this interesting thing uh, that that what we do is much more than writing a code because uh, software engineering at scale is something more than that. Software engineering at scale is more than just writing a code and the easiest strategy to follow is just don't be evil. Uh, and here's a problem. It's hard to define what does it mean to be an evil. Actually, you know, uh, there's a great book by Nick Bilton, uh, American Kingpin, which uh, yeah, describes pretty well an example of what can it mean to be an evil in software engineering. So it tells a story of a guy, of a software engineer, Ross Ulbricht, who built our first drug marketplace. Uh, as the Wright brothers, he gave it the times where he, when he was able to combine multiple inventions uh, to create something new out of that. So uh, it was like 10 years ago, and at that time he was able to make use of a darknet, the anonymous internet, 
with the Tor browser that allows anonymous internet browsing and uh, blockchains so that uh, crypto cryptocurrencies so that uh, could do payment to anyone else on the earth and uh, it's un un no one is able to track uh, the origin of the money so yeah combining all those things together uh, can allow you to build a drug marketplace and uh, yeah at the beginning he didn't want to do it for money he just believed that people should make their decisions on their own and governments shouldn't ban uh, anything, even drugs. And uh, yeah, the other thing is that uh, he really believed in himself and he wanted to create something big. And uh, yeah, and that was his project, project of his life. Uh, the problem of this project is that uh, now, if you're dealing dealing uh, within the drug industry, uh, sometimes you you run into the troubles uh, that you wouldn't want to run. Yeah, perhaps you watch the Breaking Bad on the Netflix, uh, and the problems that Ross Ulbricht ran into are pretty similar. So, you know, it's a podcast. I cannot share the photo of Ross Ulbricht, but if you look at the photo, it's like. I don't know if you have such uh, experiences, but uh, there are lots of people you talk to at the Christmas parties and uh, companies, and there are lots of software engineers I'm talking into, and uh, yeah, we share our hobbies, uh, music and films that we watched recently, and Russell Ulbricht looks exactly like one of those engineers, the nice guy, uh, pleasant to everyone, kind and so on, yeah, well behaved. And uh, yeah, who just started the drug marketplace because he thought it's a great idea. And yeah, and then he starts running into some problems, yeah. And the problem's like, I want to have the biggest marketplace on earth. And the others are trying to build the marketplace for human organs. Uh, so although I don't think it's good, but I need to have I need to have it also on my side, because otherwise the competitors will uh, get bigger. The next thing was heroin uh, wholesale deals. If he didn't allow this on his side, the others would do that. So he needed to allow it, although. He knew it's not that cool as he thought at the beginning. The third thing that that's really a great an example of the problems within track business is, uh, is that he was cheated by one of his employees. And uh, the problem was even bigger because, you know, he was at the time a pretty rich person and he could just forget about it. It was a tiny amount of his uh, money. But the bigger problem was that others knew that he was cheated. The drug dealers industry, you cannot get cheated and forgive. Yeah? Forgiveness is, uh, is not that popular in that kind of business. So he needed to, yeah, not to uh, lose uh, his power of managing the company for the internet. He needed to hire the... Uh, killers and pay them to murder his ex-colleague at work and uh, it was unfair to him but anyway sometimes you get the nasty code review from someone and perhaps you don't like him or her but well 
you don't hire that often uh, professional killers for that. At the end, he was caught by uh, FBI and he was sentenced to life sentence plus 40 years without the possibility of parole. The judge said that actually he has a university degree. He was just doing software. But there isn't much difference between him and the casual dealer, drug dealer on the street. It's exactly the same thing that they do. Uh, it's just different scale. The lesson here is that uh, sometimes a big ego is not your friend. When you're devoted to some idea and totally focused on that, there's a risk of tunnel vision and uh, yeah you go to hell one step at a time and then it's too late to come back that's the story of what does it mean to be an evil as a software engineer by an example don't be evil is a good point to start but maybe not enough to solve the challenges we are facing uh, things like the climate change for example also, uh, yeah, to make it clear, 97 up to 98% of climate scientists support the consensus on anthropogenic climate change. So the climate change is uh, related to human activities. Uh, it's obvious, but I think it's something one should repeat all the time. And uh, climate change is not only about the climate warming, a global warming, as we sometimes uh, call it because in Northern Hemisphere, and especially the climate in Europe, is based on the Gulf Stream. And if the ice gets melted uh, in the north, the Gulf Stream may no longer exist. So for Europe, it doesn't have to be necessarily warming. Uh, the interesting research says that by 2040, up to 14% of carbon footprint will be created by software. And then it's our part. And what does it mean to us? Actually, it means that big O notation really matters. And you really need to focus to make your code efficient uh, and optimal. Uh, so yeah, keep in mind which algorithm do you use for sorting and uh, keep in mind that an inefficient code uh, yeah, can do the damage uh, to the planet. Uh, yeah, the, the other challenges we are facing is you know being able to estimate the value of the data we are sharing. So we are sharing data all the time. We are selling our data to all the apps and services we make use and uh, it's good to do that in a conscious way so for instance I'm the Gmail user and uh, probably Google knows more, more about me than, than I do and my relatives do uh, but I think I'm okay with this because whenever I want to recall or find out anything happened to me for the last 20 years uh, I can search it in my Gmail browser and it's really great to, uh, uh, for me to, to, to have such an option. And yeah, it's not free. I pay with my data, but I'm okay uh, with the deal. So I know what I'm selling and I know what I get in return. And that's, that's the important thing, to be able to estimate the value of your data 
and to make the fair deals. Uh, the funny example of such a fair deal uh, may be uh, Jacek Kuron, who was an oppositionist and fighted against communism in the 1960s, 70s and 80s in Poland. And uh, he was the leader and the creator of the unions which helped the workers that were expelled from the factories for political reasons and his home in Warsaw uh, was the meeting place for other other guys fighting against communism and um, he massively used the phone to call international newspapers to get the news from uh, other unions with, from other cities in Poland and uh, at some day his wife asked him a question Jacek, we're not paying phone bills for a year and a half aren't you afraid they will cut off the phone to us? and Jacek said, don't worry they will not cut it off. So I'm sure the police is listening to all the calls I do and I'm pretty cautious about the information and secrets I reveal. Uh, and uh, But still, it's a real great uh, source of the information for them and we don't have to pay for the telephone, they will not cut it off. Uh, so yeah, that's a fun example of uh, the estimation of the value of data that you share from the 1970s. Uh, it's summer, so probably you're listening to this podcast on holiday time. And the, the other uh, funny offer, so the other great offer uh, from Central Europe to mention here was Bogumil Hrabal. He was Czech and uh, he created many great novels. And whenever being awarded uh, for some novel, he said that, oh, now it's not me who's inventing the stories, who's uh, creating the stories. I just go often to a pub for a beer and I talk with people. I listen to the stories, I put those things together and write a novel of that. And, okay, but, uh, yeah, how, how is it related to the topic uh, of our today podcast? I think it's really important to be able to be able to listen to the other people and as the IT guys, it happens often to us that we live in a bubble. We live in a bubble of other software guys, other IT guys. We are losing the contact with, uh, with other people that uh, perhaps have other problems that perhaps have less money than we do. So, uh, yeah, what else can we do to make the world a bit better? I mean, let's go for a beer with someone that is non-IT guy. So if you're on holiday, there's a great occasion for for that. And Bogumil Hrabal was, you know, uh, famous for many quotations. And one of my favorite one was about uh, learning and uh uh, doing training, so he said that I self-develop because you can't just drink all the time. Uh, that's the nice guy. Uh, but uh, still, going back to, to our main topic, uh, what does it mean not being an evil? And yeah, it's a philosophical question. I'm not good at philosophy, but uh, there is one great philosopher, uh, the Slovenian one, Slavoj Zizek, which you can also hear at talks at Google from some time ago. And actually, Slavoj Zizek says that evil is not that bad. So he claims that if you look at the challenges that we as the people face in front, like the climate change, AI, and so on, 
we need some kind of evil that will disrupt the system uh, in a way it's functioning right now. We need some kind of a revolution because otherwise, otherwise the democracy and capitalism won't solve those problems. That's an interesting point of view. I don't want to be a Che Guevara of our times. Perhaps it's because I'm afraid of riding a motorcycle. But actually what I think, it's, it's not that necessary for us in our times. So, yeah, perhaps you are not the CEO of some uh, company. I'm also not. And I think there are not that many CEOs listening to this podcast yet. So we may get the feeling that uh, we are not shaping the future of the world. Yeah, we, we just do our best in the field of AI big data. And that is true. But there is some uh, great power that I think we often underestimate. So I don't like that often being called an asset, but the big data and AI people are a limited asset. And as a limited asset, we do have more power than we think we have. What does it mean? Actually, yeah, there are more big data and AI positions than the people skilled in those areas, which means we can do a lot by voting with our feet, which means we can do a lot by uh, choosing the job uh, within a company that only not only earns the money, but does something which aligns with our vision what to do in order to make a world a better place. And... That's, I think, a great thing that we have, we as the listeners of this podcast, we've got the ability to choose the project that we work on and choose the vision that we align with. And yeah, by choosing the projects that uh, make the world a better place, we omit those ones that we are not that uh, keen of, that we wouldn't like those companies to succeed and I think that's a great underestimated thing because it's often us who think, okay, perhaps uh, the world is uh, need to be changed, but there is little I can do with it. Uh, actually, you, if you are the big data or AI guy, you're wrong. Uh, by picking the project you like that helps to make the world a better place, you can do a lot. So... I think that's the great moral of this story. So if you are listening for the last 30 minutes about what will go wrong within the world in the future and uh, heard a lot of negative informations and yeah, you, you perhaps got disappointed at some point. I hope I didn't break your holidays. But it's not the case that we cannot do nothing. We can do nothing here. We can do a lot and I think it's great to have such an ability. And uh, I wish you to stay with this thought uh, for the holiday and wish you a great time and uh, see you back in some time. Thank you guys for listening to, to this podcast.